Thank you, young ladies. Thank you so, so very much. Yes, indeed. We're so grateful for the young people of our church. Many of them are singers like this, and others are on the technical team here and on other worship teams that we have. Praise God. Yes, thank you, Yola, Olivia, and Elena. Amen. And it's wonderful to see some of our beautiful children with mom and grandma right here in the front row. Good morning. And good morning to all of you. Praise the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, when I saw our, our volunteer decorators, Pat and Edna, decorate the platform here and use some yellow, I thought, oh, I, uh, I just wonder if I could... Um, color coordinate a little bit. So this week I went and bought myself a yellow tie and a yellow puff and uh, uh, did I do okay? Did I do okay? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know Pastor Lisa thinks she's a great shopper and she is, but uh, I'm not so bad myself. You know, I got the tie for $10 and the puff for $10. And some of you think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, ties these days can cost you $40 to $60, $70, believe it or not. Do you believe it? <laughs> A lot of you don't wear them, so you don't know. <laughs> well, would you just stand? Let's pray, shall we? Just stand here in the sanctuary. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of now turning to your holy word. We're so grateful to see so many here in the sanctuary and so many others uh, viewing and listening online. Now, Lord, may you just help our minds and hearts to focus on the truth that we're about to get into in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So, my friends, if you would please turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that would be appreciated. The theme of today's message is love does that. Love does that, part two. Now, I've shared actually several messages with you from 1 Corinthians 13. And the question is, well, what does love do? What does love do? Well, love does that. And that is, for instance, in previous messages, we talked about how love is patient from verse 4, correct? Love is patient. Then love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. And love is not irritable. So those truths came from verses 4 and 5, and now we continue on in the latter part of verse, verse 5 here, and we discover our first truth today, and it is this. Love keeps no record of being wronged, right? Love keeps no record of being wronged. That is from the last part of verse 5 in the New Living Translation. And the New International Version, or translation, says, it, love, keeps no record 
of wrongs. Very similar. Now this part of the Bible was originally written in Greek, as many of you know. The Greek word which is translated keeps no record, keeps no record, is an accountant's word. Bobita is an outstanding accountant. Bobita, it actually has an accountant's uh, background, okay? It is the word used for entering an item in a ledger when, um, when accountants used to kind of write things in a ledger, all right? Write, writing things down in a ledger so that it will not be forgotten. And that, and that, my friends, is what some people do. Some people keep a mental list. Some folks keep a mental list and some even a written list, a written list on, on their phone or the computer of how different people have wronged them. The question is, are you, am I, are, are, are we keeping a record of how someone has wronged us? Are you keeping, for instance, a record of how your, your father or mother, brother, sister, uncle, or aunt wronged you when you were growing up? If so, please, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Are you keeping a record of how your husband or wife has wronged you? If perhaps he or she ever had an affair, for instance, years ago, years ago, and then, and then stopped, hopefully stopped the affair and repented of his or her sin, apologized to you, corrected their ways, are you still punishing him or her even after they have made all the corrections necessary? Verse 5 says, Love keeps no record of being wrong. Is it possible, is it possible that a former teacher, boss, coworker, neighbor, or someone in the church somehow hurt your feelings, disappointed you, or wronged you in some other way? God says to you and me, love keeps no record of being wronged. Now some of you are thinking, Pastor Nick, I don't feel... I don't feel like forgetting or putting aside the list of how some people have wronged me. I don't feel like it. My friend, oftentimes we don't feel. We don't feel like, like doing something. But we must do it. We must do it because it will help us or it will help someone else in the long run. Amen? For example, you might not feel like getting vaccinated against COVID-19, but you should do it because the vaccinations will protect you and your family and others from possibly getting COVID-19. When you choose to stop keeping a record of being wronged, you will have a greater peace, 
more joy and a sense of, okay, now I can move on with my life. Does that make sense? Yes. A man was talking with a friend of his, and he said, oh, he said, last night, last night my wife became historical. My wife became historical. And his friend said, you mean she became hysterical, hysterical. And the husband said, no, no, she became historical. She told me everything I've ever done wrong in the past 30 years. That's historical. Love keeps no record of wrongs, says the Lord. All right. Let's move on to our second main truth, and it is this. Why don't you read it with me from the screen on your television set, those of you watching online or computer. Point number two is this. Love does not rejoice about injustice, or love does not delight in evil. The New Living Translation says it, love, does not rejoice about injustice. The, the New International Version says love does not delight in evil. You'll see some slightly different translations depending on what Bible version you're using. The Good News translation says, Love is not happy with evil. The King James Version, which is a translation going back to 1611, King James Version says, Re Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity. And the ESV, which is the English Standard Version, says, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. And the New American Standard Bible says, Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. And if you happen to use the Living Bible, it says, Love is never glad about injustice. Okay, now stick with me. When we read those various Bible translations and others, essentially, essentially, we, we find that verse 6 tends to say either something like, love does not rejoice about injustice, or love does not delight in evil, or love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. That's what most of them say. Some of you, some of you are thinking, now why? Why do some Bible translations have the word injustice and others say evil and some wrongdoing? In fact, some use the word iniquity, iniquity or unrighteousness. Why, why, why do we see these various Translations such as injustice, evil, wrongdoing, iniquity, unrighteousness. Why? Why all these variations? 
Here's why. Here's why. The original Greek word can be translated in all those ways and more. And in many ways, a lot of the words are actually, are actually not so different from each other as we might first think. Here's why. Think with me, for instance, <clears throat> about injustice. Injustice. The New Living Bible translation says, love does not rejoice about injustice. Well, what, what, is, what is injustice? What, what does that mean? Injustice essentially is a lack of fairness. Okay? Injustice, injustice is a lack of fairness. In the first century, when this part of the Bible was written, there was a lot of injustice then as there is now. There was a lot of injustice, such as, such as slavery. Many slaves who were dear, poor people were not treated fairly. Across the centuries, in many countries, including the United States and Canada, there has been slavery, sadly. The mistreatment, the mistreatment of, of black people and of indigenous people and other minorities across the years has been an injustice. Whether it has happened in North America, South America, Europe, or or, or, or Africa, whatever continent it might be. As a nation, as a country, we, we have to constantly be doing away with injustice. Why? Because God says love does not rejoice. Love does not rejoice about injustice, about unfairness. In other words, love does not support injustice. Love does not treat people unfairly. Love does not treat people unfairly, no matter what the race, the color, the culture, the gender, the language they speak, the kind of clothes they wear. And so the question is, are you and I treating other people, are we treating one another fairly, regardless, regardless of, of race, color, culture, gender, or whatever? Amen? There are various other ways in which injustice happens. For many years, for many years, for instance, Women, women have been paid lower wages than men for equal work on jobs requiring the same skill, same effort, and same responsibility. Now the good news is, the good news is in Canada and the United States, as a result of government regulations, 
Employers have started to treat women more fairly. This started probably especially about 20, 25 years ago. Employers have started to treat women more fairly. But, but, according to a May 2021 report from Payscale, from Payscale, they report that overall men, men still earn 18% more, more than women for jobs requiring the same skill, the same effort, and the same responsibility. Women, I am very sorry to hear that. And so are you, obviously. Now, I don't know, I don't know how these research organizations come up with the figures all the time, but I do know that our Holy Bible, our Holy Bible says, love does not rejoice about injustice. Amen? Love does not support unfairness towards women or towards anyone. Any employers listening, employers who might be listening today, remember, treat everyone fairly. Another example of injustice is when an innocent person is sent to jail for, for a crime he or she did not commit. Last year, some, some of you might have seen on America's Got Talent a singer by the name of Archie Charles Williams who, who, who appeared and who had been wrongfully, he had been wrongfully in prison for 37 years. This was terrible. He was in prison for 37 years for a crime Archie did not commit. You think, how could that happen? He was finally released from prison after it was proven that he did not commit the rape and he did not commit the murder that he had been put in, put in prison for. By the way, he was a great singer. He did super well on that show. And I, I was cheering for him. My friends, the word injustice to, to most of us, to most of us, probably doesn't sound as bad as the word evil. But the reality is, injustice is evil when it is done deliberately. Right? I mentioned that some of our Bible translations say, love does not delight in evil. Maybe that's what your Bible translation says. Well, what, what does that mean? One Bible commentator says, it is, not, it is not so much delight in doing the wrong thing that is meant as the malicious pleasure which comes to most of us when we hear something derogatory about someone else. He says, it is one of the strange traits of human nature that very often, very often we prefer to hear of the misfortune of others rather than of their good fortune. Ooh. This Bible scholar goes on to say, he says, Christian love has none of that, none of that human malice which finds pleasure in ill reports. 
That, that quote, by the way, is essentially talking about gossip. It's talking about gossip. Another author says, the essence, the essence of gossip is gloating, gloating over the shortcomings and sins of others, which makes gossip a great sin itself. Question, are, are you a gossiper? Are you a gossiper? If so, stop it. Stop it. Love does not delight in evil. By the way, in regards to gossip, in, in recent years, I, I, I've, really, I've really been surprised to discover how wrong, how wrong information seems to spread so easily. Honestly. For example, for example, before having our present youth director, we had Pastor Lucas as our youth pastor for about three years. Before we hired Pastor Lucas, we were searching at that time for our next youth pastor. And during that search, someone came to talk with me and, and said, Pastor Nick, so I, I hear you are planning, you are planning to bring back Pastor Stewart as our youth minister again. Now, Pastor Stewart had been our previous youth minister about 15 years earlier, and at that time he was pastoring in Calgary. He's still there. Now, follow me on this. There would have been nothing, there would have been nothing wrong in us possibly inviting Pastor Stu to come back to Rosewood. But the fact, the fact was, we had never, we had never brought up the idea of possibly inviting Pastor Stu back. Personally, I did not want to interfere with his wonderful ministry in Calgary. All right? So I, I told, I told the person who spoke to me that we were not considering asking Pastor Stu to come back, but the person initially, initially, seemed to think that I was, I was just trying to keep the news hush-hush. <laughs> hush-hush. Which wasn't the case one bit. We hadn't even talked about asking Pastor Stu to come back. Now how that news ever got started, I'll never know. I'll never know. I remember scratching my head, thinking, what? What? We haven't even mentioned it. Here's another example. A few weeks ago, someone spread the news. Someone spread the news that I, Pastor Nick, was very, very critically sick with COVID-19 in a Toronto hospital. And and uh, now, obviously, obviously, we, we have been in a pandemic for a long time. And I have been in danger of possibly getting infected with COVID, just, just like you and you and you and you and you watching online. However, however, the truth, the truth was I did not. I did not have COVID. I was not sick. I was not in a hospital. I don't even think I had a sniffle. All right? 
I didn't even have a, a sniffle, and somehow someone started to spread the news that I was close to death with COVID. I kind of wondered if whoever it was, if they hoped I would die. You know? How did that news ever start? Because I wasn't even off at home, like, you know, I was at the church Tuesday through Saturday. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I didn't tell anybody that, oh, you know, I'm staying home because I'm not feeling well. How did that news ever start? I don't know. I, I don't know. The only reason I mention these two examples of the youth pastor and Pastor Nick allegedly being sick with COVID is to say that often, often times the gossip you hear is false information being spread by someone for whatever reasons, okay? One of the main, one of the main reasons some people refuse to be vaccinated against COVID is because you have heard false and wrong information. The main, the main reason our province of Ontario went from thousands of COVID infections per day down to a few hundred infections per day is because more and more people got the vaccine to fight off COVID. All of us need to get vaccinated or else COVID may never go away. That's right. It's not Pastor Nick saying that. The experts are telling us that. I, got, I personally got both, of the both doses of the vaccine, and quite frankly, it was one of the easiest and least painful things I have ever done. Get vaccinated if you haven't already done so. A lady by the name of Jen, Jenny McCann was sharing, was sharing her brother's story and exp expressing a plea for people to get vaccinated on social media. She was talking about this. She said, quote, she said, my 42-year-old twin brother died of COVID-19 last week. She says, he died exactly four weeks after being tested positive. She says, he was the fittest, healthiest person I know. He was climbing mountains and wild camping four weeks before his death. She added that his only pre-existing condition was, quote, was, was the belief in his own immortality. He had no pre-existing conditions. Now someone could say, someone could say, Pastor Nick, there are risks in getting vaccinated. The risks, my friend, are very minor compared to the benefits. Life is a risk. Life is a risk. Right? Instead of focusing your mind on the risks, trust God. Trust God and focus on God's tremendous truths, such as love does not rejoice about injustice, or if you prefer, love does not delight in evil. 
A few of you will be upset about me talking about vaccinations, but that's okay because I am simply trying to save your life. That's why. I have a younger brother who was insisting, who's insisting that there's no way he was going to get vaccinated. No way, Jose. And then a few weeks ago, he became very critically ill with COVID. And he was in the hospital for six days, very, very sick. And he said to me, Brother Nick, he said, I don't understand. He said, you, you're traveling all over the place. You're, you're holding funerals and you're doing this and that. And you're holding services and you're all, all over the place. And he said, he said he was just minding his own business, sticking to his own little group. And he said, I, I don't understand how you haven't gotten COVID, but I got COVID, he said. He had insisted he would not get vaccinated. And it nearly killed him. Fortunately, he has, he has gradually been recovering. And he feels quite good now. My friends, one of the, one of the saddest examples of people rejoicing in evil happened on September 11, 2001. Now, some of you might be saying, well, why don't you just say 9-11, Pastor Nick? Here's why. Because the truth is, some of you, some of you, especially the younger ones now, when you say 9-11, they say, well, well, what's that? You know, call 911 in an emergency? All right? September 11, 2001, that was the terrible day when terrorists used airplanes to attack the two huge twin towers, twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York, New York City. The huge airplanes were deliberately flown into the two skyscrapers by the terrorists, destroying the buildings, and more importantly, killing, killing nearly 3,000 innocent people. Stick with me. When the news of the 9-11 broke, there were, there were TV videos of some people in the Middle East, people in the Middle East who were celebrating they were celebrating the destruction of the World Trade Center Twin Towers. Oh, some of you will remember, they were, they were dancing in the streets and they were, they were having a, a party. Oh, they were celebrating. And in their minds, in their minds, their enemies had been dealt a, a great defeat and they were glad about it, even though many innocent dear people had suffered and had been killed totally unnecessarily. Those people were what? My friends, they were delighting in evil. Delighting in evil. It's amazing how some, sometimes people will delight in evil. And when I see that happening, it makes me sick. If I know the person, I want to take them by the whatever, take them by the, and say, listen, this is wrong. Love does, love does not rejoice in evil. You can't react like that. That's wrong. 
What can you say? We should never rejoice and never accept evil because God is opposed to all evil. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, All who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Here it is again. Read it with me from the, from the screen. Screen here in the church. It should be on your screen, on your television, or your, your computer, or on the phone. Read it with me. All who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. My friends, all of us have to be careful to not to turn, not to turn a blind eye to evil. This, this applies to so many areas of life, some extremely serious and some, some folks would say it's not so serious, but we have to be careful not to fall into evil. For, for example, some parents, some parents when their son or daughter Start, start to talk about living with someone without getting married. Some parents support, support their son or daughter in their sin. They just accept their behavior. And sometimes when the unmarried couple who are, ha who are living together go, go to visit the parents, for instance, the parents do up the guest room for them as if they were a married couple. Now stick with me. I'm not, I'm not saying we parents, I'm not saying we parents should, should abandon our grown-up children if they choose to live together. I'm not saying that. I understand, I understand that when our kids grow up, they will do what they feel like doing. However, however, you and I as parents still have a responsibility, for instance, to say, son or daughter, I love you. Please, please, do not live together until you are ready to officially get married in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of God. Amen? We've got some wonderful young people here Possibly soon to get married or considering marriage right here in the sanctuary. Young people, young people, there might come a time when you will be tempted to live with him or her for, oh, well, we'll see how it goes. No, 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 no. Don't live with him or her until you are officially, legally married and legally and officially married in the eyes of God. All right? Gentlemen, ladies, if your, if your grown-up son or grown-up daughter doesn't listen to you, parents, listen. There isn't much you can do, but at least, but at least you will know that you have done your part. Amen? Continue, continue to love. Now, listen carefully. I don't want some of you going away saying, oh, Pastor Nick was telling me to, to lose my son or daughter. No, 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 okay? Listen now. 
Continue to love and communicate with your son and daughter or daughter and communicate with a person they are living with and pray, pray that in some time, pray that in time they will decide to officially get married. All right? Whatever the situation might be, God says, love does not delight in evil. Or love does not approve of evil. So, so, what have we uncovered from God's Holy Bible today? But by the way, most of you know and I know that a lot of us read 1 Corinthians 13 different times and we just read it and say, oh, that's beautiful, that's, that's nice. And you often hear it read at wedding ceremonies, which is totally correct and valid and should happen. But I've been spending time on these words and verses, giving more time because I just thought there comes a time when we really have to kind of dig into a word or a phrase and say, how does this really impact us as individuals, as families, as a church, as a nation? And so that's what I've been doing in this series, spending time unwrapping the incredible truth contained in each verse. So what have we uncovered or focused on in today's message? Well, we have said, number one, love keeps no record of wrongs. And number two, love does not rejoice about injustice. Or love does not delight in evil. My friends, as you and I live our lives, let's really put these truths into practice. Not just say, well, yeah, yeah I, re I read in 1 Corinthians this, this word or this, this phrase, but, but uh, you know, uh, it's nice, but... No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's really try to live these truths out. And do you know what? You and I need, we need the Lord's help. For the Lord is the one who is able to best fill your heart and yours and yours and you who are watching online, the Lord himself is the one who is best able to fill your heart and mind with his love so that we can live these truths out day by day and week by week and month by month. We can live them out in our families, in our community, in the workplace, in the church, in the neighborhood, wherever we are. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that indeed you would fill all of our hearts with your love. With your love so that we have that extra power and ability such that 
we do not have to keep a record of wrongs. For you have said love does not keep a record of being wronged. Lord, fill our hearts with love so that truly we don't rejoice about injustice. We don't rejoice about, about evil. But that we are overcomers of injustice. We're overcomers of evil in all aspects of our lives. Thank you. Thank you for the fact that you showed your greatest love to us when you came to earth in the person of Jesus and you died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for our sins so that now we can be forgiven, adopted into your family, we can receive your spirit, and we can know for certain that we're bound for heaven. And truly, you are not keeping a record of the wrongs against us. For love keeps no record of wrongs, you've said. And so we thank you for not keeping a record of the wrongs against, against us, the wrongs that we have done, the sins that we have done. For you have said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you for not keeping a record of our wrongs. Oh, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> May you help anyone listening today to seek forgiveness of their sins from you and to begin to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord and to say, yes, I make Jesus the Savior and Lord of my life, the one who keeps no record of my wrongs, the one who's going to help me, help me to, to not keep a record of the wrongs that others have done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.